Okay. Right. Good morning. Uh, hope you, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, can we have confirmation that you can hear me okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Right. Try this. Um, I really need a stand for this, but never mind. Okay. Uh, so we're reading from uh, Hebrews chapter 2, following on from last week, starting from verse 5. So hopefully you can see that. Uh, the founder of salvation, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with, uh, with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him for a while while he was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting that he, whom, uh, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, uh, children God has given me. Therefore, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise took, partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power, the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who fear of death, uh, those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had, uh, had to be made like brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. But because he himself has, suffer, uh, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let me pray. Father, as we look to your word, we pray that you open our eyes to uh, what it's saying. We pray that you continue to challenge and teach us, to make us humble so that we can be challenged and taught and grow and become more like you. Mold us and make us into your image and to witness you to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this passage... Uh, continues on where we left off last week, where it warned us to pay attention, a dire warning that we must pay attention or else. But also we see that Jesus is given everything. 
for it is not to angels, we can see at the start of this passage, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. No, it was Jesus. The quote from Psalm 8 that comes next can be about none other than Jesus. What is man that you are mindful of him? Well, obviously that could be any man. And it's, isn't it great that God, the creator God, is mindful of us? He is a God who has promised to answer prayer. But we'll come back to that later. Or the son of man that you care for him. Well, that's the title for the Messiah, but it isn't used officially, formally until the book of Daniel. So we don't know that he's talking about Jesus here. You made him a little lower than the angels. That's a, a man. You crown him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And who else but Jesus could that be talking about? Who else but Jesus did God give rule over everything? And we've seen this before in chapter 1, verse 2 says, In the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed heir of all things. This is something that is an ongoing battle uh, that, that I, I mean, when I talk to people on the internet, it's just, we, Jesus was a God, or Jesus was you know, different from God. How do we know Jesus is God? Well, if he is put over everything, if he is the heir of everything, then even if we say that he is a separate entity to God, he is in effect God. But the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is God. Jesus says, my father and I are one. So is the author just repeating himself? We see this, uh, and we saw this in chapter one, so is he just repeating himself? Well, yes, but then there are times where we need someone to repeat themselves, because sometimes we just don't get it. Sometimes we are slow and we don't get that point. And again, learning that Jesus is God, that he is the creator, that he is in control of everything, that he holds everything together, is something that we need to learn more and more. We don't understand what that means fully. But it's also pointing forward to what he says next. Verse 8 says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present we do not see everything in subjection to him. We are learning. And this is what, something that drove the Renaissance scientists. They saw God and they knew that we had been put in charge of this earth and they realized that God had put us in charge of finding out more about this earth. We don't yet see everything in subjection to him. We won't until we reach heaven, but we can discover more. And isn't it glorious? But we see, so the verse 9, but we see him for a while uh, was made, sorry, see him who for a while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So we, you know, the early Christians saw Jesus and we see Jesus through their accounts. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. 
Well, if you don't know your Bible, then that would be a huge shock. That would be unexpected. I don't know whether you notice that or whether you're so used to that as a Christian, growing up with Christian teaching, we can get very used to that. In the 80s and 90s, there was a, a, a Christian leader called Steve Chalk in the UK. Now, I remember that uh, I, I watched his videos on how to be a Christian when I, was, uh, was when, I was, when I was a teenager, and he was very prominent in the country. He had contacts with some of the top politicians. I think he had the ear of the prime minister at the time, and he was a bit of a celebrity. But then some controversy came, and the evangelical church and other churches in Britain decided to distance themselves from him. And I had to, you know, uh, I've heard from various sources and then I watched an interview and found out that he had said in a book and later confirmed in an interview that he didn't believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And of course, to us Christians, that is incredible. But unfortunately, he has a bit of a following, still has a bit of a following, and he's not alone. It's, it seems to be something that uh, grows and falls in the Church of England within Orthodox churches. You see, he stated that for Jesus to be allowed by God to be crucified would be similar to the pagan sacrifice of virgins and tantamount to child abuse on a cosmic scale in which case he hasn't understood the purpose of the death and resurrection of Jesus you see to them Jesus's death is an embarrassment and I heard from one of my friends who was a minister about another uh, young minister at the time that he was in a meeting of uh, Anglican ministers and they were discussing this and it made him so angry that he said how dare you how dare you be ashamed of the death and resurrection of my Lord and Jesus and he walked out of that meeting and that's that is what our reaction should be What does the author say? Verse 9, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. When we look at the death of Jesus, it is painful. It should be painful looking at the cross because we know that Jesus died for my sins there. He took my punishment. It is very much like a, a parent, and it's just a small image of this, just a fraction of the image, a parent taking the pain and suffering for their child to protect their child. Now, those of you who are parents, they know that pain. And I can't imagine that pain because obviously I'm not a parent. But I see some of my friends who are parents I see that sometimes they, they take pain and suffering for their child. And if they could, they would take everything they could for that child. But Jesus 
died one of the most gruesome deaths in history for me. And yes, so it is painful to look on that. But that is when God's glory was most revealed. That is when Jesus had done the most honourable thing in history. And that is why we should be proud of it. We should not be ashamed of it. That is why I am proud to wear a cross. I wear a cross and I'm proud to wear a cross. It is why so many Christians have clung to the cross despite immense suffering and even death. For that symbol of pain and death is not something to be embarrassed of. It's not something that we should or can, if we understand it, it's not something we can be uh, embarrassed about. Because it is our salvation and it is the only way to God and it is where God shows his glory most and Jesus showing himself to be the most honorable. So this is my first point. We cannot be embarrassed or ashamed of Jesus' death. It is for our salvation that he died. It is the ultimate act of God's grace and it is the fulfillment of God's glory and honor demonstrated there. To hammer home this point, we're told about the amazing depths of what happened in verse 14 to 18. Have a look at it with me. Verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that's Jesus, partook the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So if we deny that, if we deny that death, then we are denying the fact that, uh, that Jesus and God has overcome this greatest of barriers, death and the devil. Verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Those of you who have been Christians for a while know there are times when God grants us peace, but there are times when we struggle with sin. And those of us who are Christian know that that sin does not end because when, we, when God helps us to defeat one sin, then there are many more that seem to, we didn't notice before. It is a slavery. It is something that we didn't even notice before. It is something that we are enslaved to. But God has promised that we can defeat them. And so we have freedom from that slavery. Well, as those who do not know Jesus, do not even recognize that slavery. Well, some of them do. And if you, if you ask them to be honest with themselves, they will admit, I can't help it, but I'm better than everyone else. I'm in the same place as everyone else, so it's not so bad. Slavery, do we feel like we are slaves? Sometimes, yes. But he delivered us. 
all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Because even if we don't feel as if we are slaves, we know the result of slavery. We know the result of sin, which is death. And so in that sense, we are all slaves to sin because the wages of sin is death. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That is us. Therefore, he, made, uh, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus became like one of us, made like his brothers. We become brothers to Jesus. Pause for a minute and think how amazing that is. That through this death and through accepting this salvation, we are accepted into God's family. And the man who is God calls us brother or sister or family. So he was made like us, lower than the angels, so that he might through his death destroy the power of the devil, which is death and by doing so become our high priest so that he can intercede for us with God in heaven. And then there's this big word, propitiation. It just means making things right with God. He's there fixing, or he has fixed that relationship with God so we can now have a relationship with God. Our peace comes through knowing that uh, that he has fixed things. So what's the conclusion? It's sandwiched right there in the middle, verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Now, I think it's a, it can be a little bit confusing to see who's speaking here, whether it's Jesus talking about us, in which case that is amazing that Jesus would sing our praise and call us brothers, or whether the author is saying that we should name our brother Jesus and sing his praise. And if he has done that, then we can do no less. But it's, no, it's very clear that we are talking about uh, Jesus in verse 13, I will put my trust in him. So not only should we not be embarrassed by him, we should be telling his name to our brothers. We should sing his praise and put our trust in him. In effect, we should be continuing our fellowship with our brothers to encourage one another and we should be open and obvious in our uh, witness to him. Let me say that again. We should be encouraging our brothers in fellowship, meeting up, maybe Bible studies, maybe coming to church, maybe reaching out, but also witnessing to him in open and obvious uh, yeah, praise of him. Why would we be embarrassed of that? 
sometimes when people are mocking us or you know sometimes we can be in our weaker moments we can be embarrassed and it leaves me to remember one of my other memory verses which is mark 8 36 what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul because that's what we would do if we're embarrassed of him then the world will accept us as one of them how many comedians mock jesus or christians how easy it is to do that what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul and that's at cost here let me pray to finish father let us be bold let us remember you and let us look to your cross and then forward to your salvation the great day when we will be with you and realize that this life is fleeting and that we have no alternative if we acknowledge those things we have no alternative but to proclaim you to not be embarrassed by you but to be proud to be named your brother lord we we cannot express our gratitude in name in you naming us part of your family and promising promising us that place in your family and we pray that we can keep sight of that and cling to your cross as our salvation help us through the week to proclaim that not just in word but in deed not just in deed not just in how we conduct ourselves but in word as well in jesus name amen you stop recording